Hello and welcome to the Trippity Show. My name's James Trippity, this is my show, and today it's a twofer. We're looking at two shows from, well, one from Tokyo, one from Hiroshima, one with New Japan Pro Wrestling as they go back to the Tokyo Dome, their home away from home in Tokyo, and uh, as Noah go to Hiroshima for a big show featuring a rather pleasant world title match for two legendary wrestlers. Um, these two shows were over two weekends and kind of show where the wrestling industry in Japan is right now. They both show different types of texts on how to deal with COVID crowds, especially the New Japan show, which was held in the middle of a pandemic and a shutdown in Tokyo. So it wasn't really what they wanted to do. And to join me today is Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Show Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I am pretty good, actually, because I just got finished with the Noah show and it was incredible. <laughs> it was really, really good. Yeah, um, the no-show actually happened today, as we're recording this, it happened at, uh, this morning. He had me getting up at the crack of dawn, i.e. 1pm, to watch it. <laughs> That's alright, you want me to go up at 5am to watch it, and then you got your maths wrong. It wasn't that, I just had a mistranslation looking at site's information. Hmm, it said 4pm genuinely... Japanese summertime for me. Like, it said 1pm on the site I looked at, and I was sort of like, okay, that's 5am British time. And then it's like, oh no, it starts at 4pm, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I admitted I was wrong. I just yes, also you did. got my information from a faulty source. It, it, yeah. it happens. These things happen. You're Indeed. at that time anyway. I know, to text you that I grew up early to watch the show and it didn't start for three hours. So why didn't you just go back to bed? I did. <laughs> besides which i had to go up anyway because i had to watch the rest of the new japan show which we will now talk about it's at the tokyo dome and back in the day when new japan was the biggest wrestling company on earth they go to the tokyo dome four times a year and first sell it out to the tune of sixty-five thousand, about ten thousand comps but don't tell anyone um and it was kind of their thing and they kind of felt that they had a big enough following to do that again ah hubris our old friend comes forth to kick one in the teeth. Um, I guess there's a bunch of stuff that could have happened with the show. Theoretically, it could have been the payoff to Okada versus Osprey. That didn't happen. Theoretically, it could have been uh, the return big-time match for Kota Ibushi against uh, um, Shingo Takagi. That didn't happen either. So it was kind of the land of missed opportunities, and it was certainly the gate of missed opportunities because only 5,389 souls were lucky enough to watch this match in person. And the Tokyo Dome has never looked sadder, in my opinion. It didn't look good, did it? No, it really didn't. It, it didn't at all. And it's like, it's not fair because they couldn't have any more people in the building than that. But it does like say, why didn't you reschedule this for September when things might be better? Or rearrange things so it didn't look quite as sad. Yes. Black curtain. <laughs> or anything. Put it in Tokyo Dome City Hall. You put 5,000 people in there, I think. Anywho, it, it, it was all right. And, of course, it's the Tokyo Dome show, and we didn't have a Rambo in January, so we had a Rambo here. And, honestly, it was actually quite fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Unlike the guys at Cage Match, which gave it 
2.9 and Meltzer gave it a quarter of a star because he has no joy in his life. Um, I thought this was fine. It was. It wasn't supposed to be like frigging Luthez versus Tatsumi Fujinami or anything. It was supposed to be a bit of a throwaway fun, and it was exactly exactly that. Everyone got on the Tokyo Dome show. Twenty-two of them. It was probably about the right length. There was nothing wrong with it. Not particularly happy with Chase Owens winning, but well, there you go. Chase Owens now has a big win over half the roster, and can be the provincial King of Pro Wrestling champion, and. Yeah, it was it was fun seeing things happen, like Minoru Suzuki and how much he hates Chase Owens and how much he jumps out of his way to watch a Chase Owens on a regular basis. John, your thoughts? I'm just trying to imagine how many people were happy to see Tommy Akahonma in handcuffs. Interesting point, yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 that was trouble. For those of you who haven't seen it, I would like to know what the hell we're talking about. It was the brainchild of Tariano, who not only could you be thrown out over the top rope for elimination, pinfall or submitted for elimination, there were also a set of handcuffs around the ring, which were used also as eliminations. If you got put in handcuffs, you had to stay in the handcuffs until the end of the match, and you were eliminated from the, from the, from the match, which kind of worked. Uh, it was a bit sad for Bushi and for Tiger Mask, as they did their very rare heel-face combo double Topicon Hilo to handcuffed to the fence and therefore going eliminated and Bushy had only been there for three minutes. I didn't like that because I like Bushy and I like Tiger Rask and we were denied both of them. Um, but yeah, it, I, it, yeah, I agree with you. It was, uh, it was yeah, a bit weird. I, I, was, I was calling it the kinky Ranbar, trying to describe it to other people and then it just... People thought I was talking about Sylvester Stallone in a bondage suit. It just didn't go well. Very, very rarely would Sylvester Stallone in a bondage suit go well. I think Sylvester would not like that. I think no. that I think there'd be consent issues there, to be honest with you. So now I do want to try and see a gimp with an LMG. That would be hilarious. Sorry, we're getting massively off topic. Yeah, this was Move awesome. On. This was fun. <laughs> like because I never really gave an opinion on it because I was too busy making my joke about Hanma. But yeah, I this was the best match on the card. This this was genuinely the best match because it it didn't drag on and it was continuously entertaining. And yeah. There was also plot and storyline. Yeah. Um, Ishii, absolutely fucking livid. About losing to Kenta, to uh, Kenta the night before in a one-on-one. Oh, Evil, sorry, the night before in a one-on-one match, and he showed it and he sold it and he was out to murder uh, Dick this... Togo and anyone who got in his way. This match had the best shot because it was just Dick Togo running away as Ishii chased him. The great martial arts of running away. Um, it had Kenta being a dick. Yeah, Kenta and Yoshihashi both being dicks. It you was... had people making use of the fact that even though they were out of the match, they could still mess it up. Yeah, that was it. It it, it made sense. It was like you had two Chaos guys handcuffed on either side of the ring, so they tried to help the Chaos and Bullet Club guy. Sorry, one side was the Chaos guy, one side of the Bullet Club guy. So the Bullet Club tried, tried to help the Bullet Club guy, and the Chaos guy tried to help the Chaos guy. Which is just like, that's ace. That's, that, why don't they do this more often? I hope they bring it back. Um, sadly, Toriyano 
loses his undefeated streak of King of Pro Wrestling champion. And now Chase Owens is the double champion, Texas State and King of Pro Wrestling champion. I'm hoping we get a double title defense somewhere down the line. What, so he can lose both of them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want another Texan wrestler to take them off off him. Uh, But I want somebody totally ludicrous. Allie Catch, she's from Texas, isn't she? She'd be ace. But we'll see. Yeah, no, this was absolutely fun. There was loads of little bits, like Minoru Suzuki hates Yuji Nagata still, and Yuji Nagata hates Minoru Suzuki, so they, they hit each other for quite hard for 15 minutes. Um, kept hitting each other outside the ring, got back in the ring and kept hitting each other again. Um, Yo and Show working as a tag team and getting eliminated as a tag team. There was loads of stuff. The trouble was with this, the only thing that the trouble was, and it's a bit of the thing that New Japan are doing at the minute, is... We could quite handily not watch a tour, watch the big show on the tour, and be fine up until recently. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to bump house shows. So they're putting big singles matches and title matches on the house shows. But that makes it really hard to catch up unless you watch every show. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't is good business because it means you watch every show. But I haven't got time to watch every show. I'll make the effort for the G1, and I'll make the effort for Best of Super Juniors and World Tag League and whatever else. But I do not have time to watch a three-hour show every day. (laughs) And it's like... It's not a problem, because you could catch up, but it's like there was at least two champions who weren't champions last time I watched a New Japan show. And there was at least two or three big matches that happened that were vital to understanding this show that didn't happen. So they've got a bit of a continuity issue for people who are trying to watch lots of different stuff, like you, my, yourself and myself. Um, especially with... the first New Japan show I've watched in about a month. Yeah. Not since we last did a New Japan show, because... No, that was two months ago. Was that that long ago? Yeah, I think me and Christy did the last one, so it's been about two months for you. So it is just like, it's not easy to dip into it. Having said that, some of their matches have no build whatsoever as well. And it's like, some is just too, just, just some is just like, and it was a bit, it's, it's a bit all over the place, as you'll discover as you go through the show. The actual quality of wrestling, not a problem. Actual length of wrestling, bit of a problem. For instance, this World Tag Team title match, Junior Heavyweight title, my tag team title match, which we thought it should El Fantasmo at Daiji Ishimori, they're the champions. They beat Sho and Yo a some time ago. For the tag team titles. And they did, oh no, they didn't. They beat um, Suzuki Goon, who beat Yo and Show. <laughs> um, defeated mega coaches Rocky Romero and Raisuke Taguchi in the joint Hontai Chaos mega team of um, silliness that those two are in 20 minutes and 56 seconds of an absolutely awesome match if it was 15 minutes long. If you see what I mean. There was nothing wrong with this match, but there was that many false finishes at the end. It just started to drag a little bit. This was probably the second best match on the card after the Rambo. But it was only because it was just 20 minutes long. And if there was anything else, if it had been a smidge longer, it would have been good. But other than that, the fans lap this up. They love Rocky. Seeing Rocky back in Japan's ace, this was really, really good. Up to that last five minutes when it just went into a bit ridiculous as... (laughs) 
Raisuke Tehuchi and Rocky Romero tried to pull out every finisher they could remember. <laughs> I did like the fact this match had a story going into it as well, because they were just like, okay, we're going to expose the fact that Phantasmo's got a loaded boot. Yes, and... that made sense. Also, I would like to say, Phantasmo and Ishimori, who long-time listeners in the show, bore the pants off me, weren't boring in this match, which helped it no end. What do you mean they're like Bullet Club's cutest tag team? They're still boring. Sorry, to me, just boring. Just just like, it's all the heel raking the back stuff. Drives me nuts. Can't be doing with it. Wanted to get on with it. It just is faffing about. And in this match, there was only about two minutes of it rather than the usual 12. So therefore, it was actually watchable. I could get on with it. I got past it. I got over it. And then we had a wrestling match with a storyline, like you said. Just it was just fun, dragged a bit, but that was forgivable given that it was the first match of the show. So they wanted to open things strong, and the fact that they had entertaining wrestlers in there, it was just yeah, pretty good. But all oh, the I mean the issue is really you don't expect the opening match to go twenty minutes. You expect it to be an IWGP Junior Tag Team Title match. You expect it to have eye flying and near falls and big finishes. But you don't expect it to be 20 minutes long. To be yeah. fair, I was expecting a Young Lions match. We didn't get one. No, they, they were saving them for this week. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Iwamura uh, and Suji are off on excursion on Monday. So they had their big... Suji comes to the UK. Yeah, they're having their big final series. Um, I think NATO wrestled Iwamura today. Mm. And Suji wrestled, wrestled Tanahashi today. So they had big send-offs because they've they've done really well. They've had to they've obviously had to stay in the dojo a lot longer than they would normally have had them. I think. And they, yeah. So the earliest opportunity they're shipping them off whilst uh, visas are still available. Tanahashi's corner is going to be so quiet without Suji there. Yeah, it's going to be sad. But having said that, you get Shooter back. Oh, sh- seriously. If they can find him a visa and get him into the country, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's finished with Rev Pro. He's coming home. Did you, did you not notice that John Moxley had opened up, thrown out an open challenge to the Good Brothers at the end of last week's Strong? Yeah, I saw that, and it, it did make me think. I, I, I believe his uh, adopted son is coming home. So, we'll see. Anyway... Let us move on to the second match. Sorry, the well, second match of the show. The Rambo was on the pre-card. Should have been the main show myself. But anywho, it should be the main event because we're not on the rest of the rest of this show. Robbie Eagles defeated El Desperado in 19 minutes and 56 seconds to become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. I have no problem with this match whatsoever. I thought this match was great. I thought it was well put together. I thought it, really sh- it showed a good story. I just don't think Robbie Eagles is... IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship material. Yet, I think they've pulled the gun too early, and I think it's a mistake. I'm a chaos guy. You know I'm a chaos guy. Yay, chaos. Go chaos. But I wanted Desperado to have a big, long, establishing run so he can be the alternate ace they need him to be, considering their fact that their main ace of the Junior Heavyweight division is made out of styrofoam. So they need a secondary ace who's really good and established as a Junior Heavyweight Champion. I think Despy's reign has been absolutely awesome and easily one of the best things New Japan's done this year, but it all seems to have ended with a bit of a damp squib. 
And that's my problem with this match. The actual match itself was excellent. And Rob Eagles did show an awful lot to be a main event wrestler. And it kind of moved him forward in, in the storyline. However, just not keen on him as champion. Maybe it'll grow on me. But I don't know. What do you think, John? I think if anyone was going to disrupt Despy's title reign, I'm glad it was Eagles because it was someone different. Like, I'm a massive fan of Eagles. He's really interesting as a technical wrestler. He's got one of the more varied movesets of the juniors, and he just matched up brilliantly with Despy here. There's hopefully going to be a rematch where we'll either see if they're going to hop potato the belt or he actually gets to sort of show why they've put the belt on him. I, d- I just like this. Like, this was the one match on the main card that didn't drag because it just felt right. There was a lot of tension, a lot of sticks, and a lot of story. So I I just lost myself in this match, and I was surprised Eagles won, but I'm not complaining about it. No, I'm not complaining. I just don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's been established as a major threat in the junior division. He didn't have a particularly good best of super juniors last year. He only just had a winning record. And that's kind of like usually like where they set people up for stuff. So yeah, I mean there's nothing wrong with it. And I hope hopefully he's gonna be good at it, but maybe this is just New Japan trying something different. They're like, right. We know we can always go back to Despy if this doesn't work out. Let's see how this goes. Let's have a surprise champ with a surprise run. We'll make a new world, like a new record because he's the first Australian champion, a junior champion, and yeah, I don't see the harm in it. I know it's it's not the most ideal result, yeah. but it'll be interesting to see what they do because it's something different. Like I love Despy, and I would have loved for him to have the long, like a longer reign than this. But if they're gonna do something different, now's the time to do it. Whilst you can still just be like, oh, this was. Like, if it goes wrong, you can just be like, oh, it was a fluke and give the bell back to Despy before it's, anything. I think, I think that's probably the most likely thing to do on the grounds that if you look at previous title reigns of this nature have been awfully short. So, you know, I mean, it gives Despy two titles as well. It shows his resilience being come back from something. So, yeah, I suppose it, it, it could work out in the long run. I'm just struggling to see where they go from here i suppose maybe the is the the issue i have i'm just trying um, to pick someone like eagles and not just give the bell back to someone who's already had it to be fair they haven't got many of those guys left it could sure. have been elp could have been ishimori could have been x Ish- ishimori's had it before but elp hasn't i thought elp had won it no before. he lost to he lost to osprey they had that big build-up didn't they and then osprey beat him um, uh, we never, um, yeah, ELP's never had it before. Show and Yo haven't won it before. Kanemaru hasn't won it before. So, this, yeah, the only people, the only former champion they currently have on available on a regular basis is Bushi and Ishimori. Oh, I see, I almost hoped it would have been Bushi now. Maybe yeah. they should take it off Eagles. It's a possibility, but they haven't been keen on putting Bushy in the title picture for quite some time because I don't think he can carry a match the way he used to in the main event. I think I looking back on it now because he's been injury injury debilitated for quite some time. I'm wondering if they put the title on him at the time so they could get the title on him at least once before he wore out. If makes if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, 
we'll see anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not disappointed because the match was ace. It was really, really good. And it told a great story. But I just kind of like, I wish Despi had done a little bit longer. Just that little bit. And of course, because also, but, but also it does put off Despi versus Hiroma, which is the big match in the division, which you can't use too often. So yeah, if, but... if, if Hiroma comes back and he's up against Eagles, that's a different combination. And, you know, um, so, yeah, we'll see, won't we? And now back to slow plodding and boring. Eee, by gum. Yeah, 19 minutes and 56 seconds for a junior title match is not that bad. 19 minutes and 23 seconds for any match involving Jeff Cobb is exactly that bad. <laughs> I love Jeff Cobb. I think Jeff Cobb is ace. I think Jeff Cobb is a brilliant wrestler, but you have to pitch him right, and pitching him right is destroying people in 10 minutes. Not trying to have a drag-out classic with Suzuki Kurokada, who's a wrestling genius but can only go so far. If this wasn't the third match on the card, I might have been more lenient with it, but it wasn't. Sorry, it was, and it was just too long. Yeah. It's, it's 19 minutes and 23 seconds, and it's like... In the old days, that was kind of average for a main event. This was not a main event-worthy match. It was fine. It was nothing wrong with it, but it had been so much better if they packed it all into 12 minutes. It just felt too padded, too prolonged for the sake of prolonging it, because it's like, oh, we're at the Tokyo Dome. We've got to go five hours. It's like, no, you don't. (laughs) Stop, you monsters. Some of us yeah. have stuff to do. All of this happened before the interval, by the way. You've got three matches that lasted an hour between them. And it was just pure wrestling for an hour. And it took about an hour and a half to deliver all of that. After a Rambo that lasted 35 minutes for an hour-long pre-show slot. And then you two... had 80 minutes for the last two matches. It just, everything took so long. And I can understand why they're doing it, because it means less infections, because you've got more blessed people in the ring, and that makes sense. But equally, we don't, you, we, you're not the ones who have to watch this stuff. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with Jeff Cobb, and I love Kazuchika Ricardo, but they can't carry a match between them for 19 minutes and 23 seconds. It's just not going to happen. Wasn't not in enough, an entertaining way. There was not enough at stake in this. Like, if... But, if it well, they were pitching surprise, maybe, but it's not. It's just Cobb wants to kill Okada, and Okada wants to prove he's still Okada. That's kind of all there is. Well, they were pitching it as the number one contenders match, and then they didn't get to be number one contenders because of what happened at the end of the night, which we'll talk about at the end of the night. Which just made all of this pointless. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's two big lads having a wrestling match, which is fine. Then promote it as two big lads having a wrestling match. But this is bonus points to not having Okada choke out Cobb with the money clip. No, but the money clip looked more effective than it has done in months because it was done in a short period of time and Cobb sold it correctly. And, you know, it wasn't dragging on for 10 minutes, which is what they've been doing to pad stuff out. (laughs) So it looked more realistic and useful in this particular context. But yeah, it's just. Mm, nothing wrong with it, just too much of it. It's just... Mm, mm. There's not going to be a lot of noises coming from me that aren't really kind of opinions. They're just like, mm, it's, it's just... just 
it's the Homer Simpson approach where you, you're trying to convey something, but you're just kind of like, how do I word this? And then just sound does it all. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> like there's there's nothing wrong with this. Like it's it's fine. It's just when you've got so much more to look at, considering as I said, this was the first half of the show. And yeah. you're just looking at how much time is left on it, because we're watching this on catch up and you can see there's like two hours left. And you're just like, what the f there's two matches left, and you just know. You're in for even more long-winded. Like, yeah. It's just... Tomfoolery. No. Like, I mean, this this is a match that main events Kurok and Hall nicely. If this Kurok and Hall for 20 minutes at the end of the night, I could live with that. That's fine. But not in the middle of a card on a Tokyo Dome show. And especially when there's only five matches. Yeah. It like, just... How the... Does it what's six with the pre-show? But how the hell does a five-match card go five hours? It's literally like, an hour for each match. It's like watching wrestling in the nineteen thirties. <laughs> and to put this in perspective, it's not me hating on long matches either. No, because Chaka Pro had a sixty-minute draw between Minoru Fujita and Hagan Shino, and that was the most compelling 60 minutes I've watched. That 60-minute match felt shorter than the next two matches we're going to talk about. <laughs> because, back in the, sorry, Karen. Because it just kept moving. It kept the intensity up. And it had everything, like, continuously moving on. It wasn't just, right, this didn't work, so we'll go to the next false finish, to the next false finish, to the next move, to the next false finish, where you can just yeah. see the, like running it on the spot like shit we've still got five minutes to kill here what the hell do we do like we've gone <laughs> through our bag of tricks here yeah i mean it's like if you, if you, i read luthez's biography um poker and it describes what wrestling in the main event in the 1940s was like oh sorry in the early 1950s was like or going to see main event wrestling matches they would be like the main event would be for the world's championship say and it would be three falls, and each fall would last an hour. So <laughs> we would wrestle for an hour. Then they'd go back to the back so you could go to the concession stand and buy stuff. Then have the second fall, and that would last an hour. And then they'd, then they'd, then they'd have the finish. And it was just like, it's insane. But we're getting back to that point. But the reason why they invented the time limit and TV wrestling was to stop all of that crap. <laughs> so you didn't have to watch three-hour main events where people fell asleep. It, so it it worked in the past because it we weren't used to that sort of thing. Like Kenny Omega going an hour and a bit with Kazuchika Okada because neither guy could put the other down. Yeah, that that was compelling. That had story behind it. I don't want to watch 37 minutes and 58 seconds of two tag teams just going at each other with very little on the bloody line. Having said that, I was thoroughly engrossed by this tag title match and I watched every second. Didn't look away from it once. I am guilty of tabbing out on a few occasions because even though I, I love the Tai Chi's in it, I just couldn't get invested in it. I was much more invested in this than anything else on the card. I agree with you, it was too long, about 17 minutes. But 
Having said that, I love the false finishes. I love the the run up to the end. I loved up to love the whole idea of a tag team better being better than two star wrestlers taking the titles back. The story from the singles matches. I thought this was really well played out. I thought it was a good story. It was really well told. And I guess it the idea of Zack Sabre Jr. showing vulnerability when he so usually doesn't was such a compelling idea to me that I was really into this match. And I did not like take my eyes off of it. And I sense I felt a sense of elation when Suzuki Gun won. Because they were the baby faces. They're wrestling Sonada and NATO, and they're the baby faces in the Tokyo Dome. That's insane. <laughs> like Tai Chi is just chalking people. Oh yeah. And Zack Sabre Jr. is a little bastard, but you know, they're still the baby faces. They were the ones cheering for them. You know, they were Zach when he was working from underneath on and NATO was hammering into his knee, they were clapping for him. And they pop when they won. And they listened to um oh uh, Tai Chi's manager. I can't remember her name. Miho Abe. Miho Abe, they were they were clapping along with Miho Abe and everything. They were proper baby faces, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. And you could tell they were all having a blast doing it as well. And to me, I actually enjoyed this. I would have so preferred it to have been shorter, but I thought it was pretty good. I know you didn't. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. It's just, again, you sort of look at how long it's been going for, and you just have to guess how much time's left. And I'm just like, uh, I need to see what Twitter's doing. And I just like, I don't need to see, but I want to see because I'm just like, I've watched so much of this already. Maybe it's just because I don't care about New Japan that much anymore that I can't really pay attention to it as well as I used to. And this is this is coming from a guy who was like lauded Tai Chi whilst everyone else hated him. And I can't even watch like a match with Tai <laughs> Chi fully now. What the hell? Oh, like, there you go. It's just, it couldn't keep me gripped. And it's not because of the people in the ring or the story being told. I just couldn't stay interested. Yeah, well, here we go. Now we get to the main event, which <sighs> wasn't the main event as advertised. The main event as advertised was Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi for the IBP World's Heavyweight Championship. Um, Kota Ibushi ends up with uh, respiratory pneumonia, can't wrestle, isn't medically cleared to wrestle. So the only person, literally the only person who's not doing anything is Hiroshi Tanahashi. So he's offered the World Championship match. And of course, he's Hiroshi Tanahashi. So he takes the World Championship match to represent the company, you know, company man um, and all that. And they were clearly having a blast. I'm not sure anyone else enjoyed it. Though according to this, the cage match guys did. They give it 9.42 and Meltzer give it five. And I was like, it's really good. But there's no point to this match happening. I know who's winning because they're not going to put it on Tanahashi on the drop of a hat. They've got plans for Takagi. And I'm not that... I'm more interested than when Osprey was champion. But I'm still, I'm still feeling I've not forgiven them for merging the titles in the back of my mind. And I don't feel it's a real-world championship. I don't feel it's right yet. I'm sure that'll go away. And it sounds silly. This is a pretend championship for a wrestling company that does fake fights. But to me, it 
doesn't feel like a world championship match. And that's no knock on Shingo, who's trying incredibly hard, or on Kota, who tried really, really hard before him, and, you know, fuck Osprey. But um, it just doesn't feel yet like it's a world championship. Am I wrong? Am I just whining, or what? I'm not the right person to ask, because I just, I, uh, again, have kind of just thought I'm fairly out of it with New Japan. This this was just another good match to me, like because I love seeing Shingo in action. I feel like he had a better match here with Tanahashi than he probably would have had with Ibushi, but that might just be because I'm still not over Ibushi's horrible title reign. Yeah. It's just, <sighs> New Japan has has done their best to make you stop giving a shit about New Japan. Yeah, that is the big issue. Like, as much as like the diehards and the people who still really enjoy it, which good on you if you do. I don't want you to stop liking New Japan. Believe me, I wish I hadn't stopped liking New Japan. But the current product, the way it is and the way it's going, is just boring as fuck. I uh, think I think the issue as well isn't necessarily that it's bad wrestling matches. There's nothing wrong with the wrestling matches. These guys have got star ratings coming out their ears. That's not the problem. The problem is people could care less about what happened to the world title because you've kind of taken their world championship away from them and given them something in their place that they don't care about. And you still feel the need to artificially inflate your main events, despite the fact they don't need it. Like, they just had a 37-minute epic between the tag teams. Do we really need another 37-minute epic for the world title? You could have done this in 20 to 25 minutes and people would have still been happy with it. Like I, I, can understand, I can understand what they're trying to do. You don't want to go to the Tokyo Dome and produce a two-hour show, but that's exactly what they should have done. If you can't put the wrestlers in the ring, fine. I don't want them to be unsafe, but I don't want a card that's... I'm not being funny... It's risking their health because the longer you go in a match, the tired, more tired you are, the more mistakes you make. And you've got Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, neither of whom are the spring chickens of the division. So you have 37 minutes where they've got to have big bumps in the matches because the last match they had had big bumps and so they need another one. This doesn't really make a lot of sense in the terms of long-term booking. Now, it's a short-term fix to a short-term problem. I agree. But I don't think we'll see the issue in these particular matches for quite some time to come. And it's just, it's just something not right yet. And I don't know what it is. And it's all the things we've talked about. I just, uh, it's like, I saw the match and I'm like, right, this is going to be great, but it's going to be way too long. And I'm going to get, going to lose my interest in it halfway through. And that's exactly what happened. I lost interest halfway through because I'm like, all right, we've reached the midpoint. Very little happens in the midpoint. Let's just keep half paying attention until it gets to like the last five minutes or so. Then everything gets interesting again and you've got your winner. And it's the fact that that's become the sort of norm for heavyweight title matches is just, that's not good. Like if I can skip half of your match or just not pay attention to half of your like world title match then you're doing something wrong yeah for sure it's just it's, it's not bad 
I know you said I said to you before, isn't it? It's like the old, there was an old saying about tailors in the 70s. Never mind the quality, feel the width. This is yeah. terrible, but look how big it is. You know. <laughs> I'd rather see a great 20 minute match than an insipid 37 minute match where and it's got 20 minutes of greatness in it and 12 minutes of me not giving a shit. Like, I'd also rather see a 37-minute match that has a point to it. Takagi wrestling Tanahashi for the world title for no apparent reason. He's just the guy that's there. But I wasn't really sure why Ibushi was wrestling him either. This is it. It's just a case of, right, who have we got? Jay White's over in America, so we can't use him. Well, he's got, he's got... America, yeah. we can't use him. We can't... We've already had Okada in a match, can't use him, can't use Cobb. You just sort of like, you've got all these guys that you could potentially, if you want to do a, a throwaway or come at the king type match, you could have at least taken a risk with it. Why not have Minoru Suzuki step up? Screw it. He's the ideal guy to do that kind of match. Or someone like Juice Robinson, who you know is going to lose anyway, but he'll give it his all. Or Ishii is another guy who can do that. He can do a 25-minute match that makes you think he's going to win the World Championship, but he doesn't. And this is not a knock on Tanahashi. I love Tanahashi. No, 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 no. He's one of the best storytellers the company has. It's just, why waste him here? Because we are always going to lose when he could be a credible challenger down the line. This This would have been a great chance to have done something so completely off the wall, people would have had no choice but to pay attention to it. Like, if I've... If you've got, like... Just to take the sort of generic wrestling route, you have Shingo Takagi come out, signal the fact he's got no challenger, and then Kazu Nina Rare plays. Fuck it, you've got my attention for 30 minutes, because I'm just going to watch Minoru Suzuki beat the hell out of bloody Shingo. I'm going to love every second of it. Whereas, like, because we knew it was Tanahashi, it's just kind of like I knew what I was going to expect, because I've seen it before. It's not only that, you had a world tag team title match that people were invested in. So why not make that the main event? Shingo can have a banger with that's 20 minutes long with somebody further down the card, because it's unannounced, and then you can send the fans home happy with a tag title win for the Dangerous Attackers. Well, because or, we've got some angle we've got to push for Shingo that nobody asked for, and very few people are probably <laughs> going to enjoy. No, so, yes. So to finish the evening off, after all of that pain, <laughs> was Evil, who, having won a singles match with the help of half a bullet club against Ishii on the Friday night, suddenly decides he's the number one contender and goes to attack Shingo Takagi, thus nullifying half of everything that's happened in the afternoon. <sighs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't dislike Evil. I think he's good. I think he's struggled with this character... And Dick Togo's been absolutely awesome, but he can only do so much from afar. And maybe Shingo is the person that he finds his groove with, because Shingo can post for anybody. He can make people look amazing. But it doesn't stay the fact I don't care about this championship. I care more about the Never Openweight Championship than I care about this championship. I just don't want a 30-minute slog fest of evil trying to be evil, when in reality he's just being slow. Yeah, that's the thing. This is another evil. Evil does not need to be in a singles match that lasts 40 minutes. 
his his offense is all curtailed around big hits. He's a big, strong power wrestler. Why make him anything else? Doesn't make any sense. But we'll see. But that's the next card. Uh, that's going to be the next major challenger for the world championship. I still want to like say when Evil first turned evil, I bloody loved it. In fact, I still love the image change, the new theme. I love the fact he's in Bullet Club. I just hate the fact that he's trying to be knock off Jay White. He Which he can't just, do. He should have just stayed with his same wrestling style, just throwing more evil shit, more low blows, more weapons hits, sure, but still keep that explosive power. It's I like, I I hate the sort of. Oh, he's a heel now, so he doesn't do anything exciting. It's like, why not? That would be the perfect way to be the perfect heel, because you take everything that faces have and turn it against them. Hey. Like, I'd love to. I'd love it if a villain just kept the explosive shit they normally do, and occasionally throw in like a middle finger taunt or a, like an up yours thing, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna do this. You remember how much you love that? Ah, get lost, and then do it anyway, because why not? Like, I hate this, especially with Evil. Because, as you said, a lot of the fun from Evil came from the fact that he was a big guy who could move fast and hit hard. And now he's just a big guy who can hit hard and will occasionally move fast because he's realised he's, like, two minutes behind in the match count or something. Yeah, that's about it. Jake Roberts in 92, he did that when he turned Evil on The Undertaker. On The Undertaker, on The Ultimate Warrior. He would do the DDT and then wouldn't do it because he won't give him the satisfaction. <laughs> it's that I just, I'm sick of the whole, oh, I'm a heel, which means I have to be slow and menacing and methodical. And it's like, you can be all those, but, you know, pick up the pace a bit. NATO isn't slow, methodical and menacing. He is for the first five minutes. But then exactly, he gets and how exciting is he to watch? Imagine if Evil adopted the same formula, where he's just like, he could have easily... He could have easily done this. I've turned heel. I've joined Bullet Club, but I'm still going to fight like an LIJ guy just to really piss you off. Why didn't he do that? Eh, I don't know. Someone pointed out to me at the time. I can't remember who it was. So someone said, he was a WWE fan. He said, So New Japan fans are sad because a guy called Evil turned heel. What am I missing here? <laughs> oh, I, I love that. I just yeah. hate the fact that he's become a shell of how he used to wrestle. Yeah. He's... Because he feels that's going to improve his character when it doesn't. No, it just makes him hard to watch. Anywho. So that, the good stuff. that concluded Tokyo Dome Show called Grand Slam from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which you can see neither of us were particularly thrilled about. There's nothing wrong with the wrestling. Enjoy the show just for wrestling. Don't look at it from a point of view of storylines or anything else because it'll bore the pants off you. And skip out the theme tunes. Just get them in the ring, get them going, because otherwise you'll be there all day. And it's oh, that's what I did, and it still took forever. Oh yeah, it's the three and a, it's a three and a half hour show if you just do it that way, which loads easier. But it's still not, you know, it, it drags four hours and fifty three minutes to be fair. But that's that's five hours ruined, isn't it? Anyway, let us move on to Noah and their show called Crossover which featured a World Heavyweight Championship, well, a NOAA GHC Heavyweight Championship match, I should say, for the Global Honored Crown Championship between the living legend, which is Naichi Marafuji, and the living legend who is 
Kazuchi Sakuraba, who is the least Noah wrestler ever to wrestle for the GHC Heavyweight Championship, I think. Because he's a strong style guy, and he's a shooter, and like everything that Noah is not. So, that was the main event. But it opened with the ongoing saga of the Funky Express. Funky Express, which features Mahaba Yoni, Akitishi Sito, and King Tani, who were all in this match, um, have, have ongoing issues, to say the least. Um, King Tani recently won a four-way match between all four members of Funky Express um, to decide who is the leader of Funky Express. He has then gone on to start smoking cigars and wearing a large crown. And he's reluctant to take the crown off, even during matches, if he can possibly get away with it. And his leadership style has led to the point where he had to get somebody from outside of Funky Express to tag with him to go against members of Funky Express because they don't like him anymore because he's a bit of a dick now. Um, Mohamed Yoni and Kitishu Saito won this match um, over King Tani and Kenya Okada. Kenya Okada looked confused mainly, and I, who can blame him? What's your thoughts on this one, John? This was fun. I love the Funky Express because it's just watching like all the guys try to live, relive the glory days of disco, and it just—I don't know why it works, but it works. It—it—it's—it's it's a, a a midlife crisis in wrestling form. But then you've also got like like Yoni and Saito just salty tough bastards so you like you don't want to <laughs> dare bring this up with them because i'll probably take your face off yeah i mean yone was actually a shooter he actually started off in battle arts before he did his no yeah. didn't we t- we went through yeah. this with the um what was it cyber fight festival because yeah. that was my first time seeing them and i'm not surprised <laughs> the thing that makes me laugh the most though is like saito looks like a boss from one of the yakuza games yeah, he does. Um, like, he'll just appear in a cutscene and you're like, well, shit, this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> and to yeah. be fair, he killed Orkada and Tani quite a lot. Mm, yeah, and he got the winning pinfall, I believe. And it was fun. It's pure, unadulterated fun. But even this, like, you get four guys who are in their late 30s to late 40s and you manage to make a viable storyline out of them just over something silly. And it's about as silly as Noah will ever get, let's be honest. And but everyone was into it, and it was fun. Can, can, I, just, can I just bring this up now? Mm. There are eight matches on this show. Yeah. And it only lasts three hours. Yes. So that's three extra matches and two, ex, two less hours. And also, every match on the card had something to say. And they still had the um, intermission to clean down the ring. Yeah. They just That's how you do pacing. Like, yeah. I will happily sit for three hours to watch eight matches. And it looked like they had a big crowd in Hiroshima. I would say there's probably about a thousand people watching this show. But it looked much bigger. It really yeah. did. Yeah, I, think, I don't know what the numbers are. Well, Cage Match will catch up on that this week, but... No, we're getting, they're not getting massive crowds, but they're getting consistently good crowds. And you see it every week because the streaming service shows it every week. DDT are doing the same thing. You know, it, it's, it, 
about two years ago, all of the King's Road companies got together to work together so they could make sure New Japan didn't run off into the distance of being the biggest company in Japan. And New Japan are now currently not the biggest company in Japan. <laughs> so that's concerning for a lot of people. New Japan need to get their act together, basically. I know it's not their fault, and they can't show. I'm sure that New Japan shift merch like there's no tomorrow compared to the smaller companies. But actually on ticket sales, no, we're a lot closer than people think, and DDT are a lot closer than people think. But anywho... Second man match was well, second man man, man, man no. second match was a six man championship match. Masa Kitayama, Daike Yanaba, and Junta Mikimiyaki were defeated by Keno Tadasuke and Ikea of Congo in a um, very good match. Keno getting the win with his big series of moves at the end, and uh, Congo stamping some authority on things in their miserable fashion as they do. Killed your Keno strikes again. <laughs> I can't call him that anymore. He set his leg on fire to beat Muta. Like <laughs> you're never gonna be a killjoy again because you're you set your own leg on fire. Like he I, did it in a very stoic manner, though. It wasn't like, you know, hey, look, my leg's on fire. It's like I must now set my leg on fire to defeat my enemy. That's still more like that's that's the sort of stuff he usually rails against. Like you're <laughs> hardcore. How dare you? <laughs> but yeah, this was good though. It was fun. It just just I, I watched Tadasuke wrestle all day. It's just fun. It and is. All of them are good. It's just fun. Yeah. Again, this is this is like second match on the card, so you're not really expecting much, and it still goes out there and kicks ass. It's just fun. Everyone gets their like big moments. Kitamiya was basically, oh yeah, that this is I'm the guy you're gonna have to all work on here because I'm just gonna kill you all, and they eventually did, and it was just fun. Yeah, it was just good fun. And a lot of these matches were just good fun because it's it's basically just getting things going in it really. <laughs> um, yeah, like the next match as well was. I actually had a bit more of a story. Yoshinari Ogawa uh, of uh, Stinger and Yasutaki Yano, uh, who was one of the rookies straight out of the Noah Dojo, who was trained, funnily enough, by Yoshiari Ogawa, went up against Kataro Suzuki and Ikuto Hidaka. Hidaka was Ogawa's first trainee at the Noah Dojo, and Yano is his current trainee at the Noah Dojo. Yano is 20 years younger than Hidaka. <laughs> Which will tell you. 20 years old anyway. Yeah, it's just insane. It's like Ogawa has been going that long. He is truly a living legend. I think he's won every championship in the company except the national title. And he's a legendary junior heavyweight, won the heavyweight championship. When you can look at him and you go, like, he won the heavyweight championship against those big bruisers in Noah. Yes, he did. He's just that good. And he's Rob Zombie, his entrance music, so I will always pop for him. Yeah, it's just just really, really good. Absolutely solid. Love this match. Just for, uh, The whole point was just to kind of like get Agaro and Yano over, and that's what they did. And Kitaro Suzuki and Hidaka were great too. They are of Paris de Maldepahapon. I um, love that faction already. It's like my first time seeing them properly in action. I just love them. Do you know the story behind Paris de Mal? 
No, I don't. Would you like to know the story behind Perros de Mar? Yes, I would. All right, then. So, Perro Aguayo Jr., the late lamented wrestler, had a contract with CMLL, right? He was their top heel following in his father's footsteps. Anywho, they decided they were going to kind of have a bit of an invasion idea going on. And they set up Perro Jr. with his own faction called Perros de Mal, because Perro Aguayo is, I mean, is uh, dog face. That's basically what it means. Um, and Perros de Mal means dogs of war. That's what they are. And so they had their faction in CMLL. And they cooked up. It's very similar to what happened in uh, with Ricky Choso and his guys in all J- New Japan and All Japan in the 1980s, actually. Anyway, they cooked that they they were decided that the best thing to them to do to make it a true invasion angle was Paris de Mal should start their own company. And Paro Junior was like, Yeah, all right then. So they started their own company. It was a little company in Mexico City, but the idea was to make it look like a real deal, like a different company. And they um to make it real, they cancelled their contracts, but they started a working agreement with CMLL. They helped them find TV and they worked on pay, paper play. So any wrestlers who weren't contracted to the local companies in Mexico City or AAA or CMLL could work for them on one-night deals. So when guys run out of contracts in CMLL, they'd go work for Paris de Mal until somebody offered them a contract. So they got big-name wrestlers. And then some of the AAA guys, when they run out of contract, if AAA wanted them or CMLL wanted them, They'd wrestle for Paris de Mal until the big name contracts came in. So they had a rolling roster that was always stacked. They couldn't do big storylines. They just relied on big name matches. And there was always money coming in because they always had stars because people were always running out of contract in Mexico. Anyway, the CMLL guys didn't go as often after a while. And then the AAA guys started coming in more often. And they started talking to the Penna family. And eventually, Paris de Mal invaded AAA. Which, as you can imagine, caused a bit of a stir. <laughs> yeah. So, Paris de Mal has been going for around about 12 years now, I think. And, yeah, I watched a couple of Paris de Mal shows, and they were amazing. Like, they had Psycho Clown turned up one day. <laughs> it was like... Oh, God, speaking of Psycho Clown... I just... I saw a match earlier in the week, maybe last mm. week. It's him and Brandon Kirk, and they're just fighting in a hurricane. <laughs> of like, course they are. Yes, I heard that. It was, it was a AAA show that got a bit out of hand, wasn't it? Well, they were in New Jersey, and it was like, well, Psycho Clown's come all this way. He only just did it, made it on time. It just got changed. It started pissing it down. And him and Brandon Kirk are just like, eh, okay. And so they fight for like 13 minutes and they couldn't even record it properly. A lot of the video of it is put together from fan footage and it's just, it's so fun because you're just watching them adapt on the fly. <laughs> I, know WWE, I know WWE shows used to do shows in the Bahamas, rain, snow, or blow, and there's a couple of matches with Don Morocco in a hurricane. <laughs> it's insane, but there you go. Anywho, back to Paris de Mal. They've been in faction in triple a for years and years and years now um obviously Perro uh, junior is no longer with us he died in that match with uh, Rey mysterio junior a few years ago um mm-hmm. 
but there's been big names that have been Power Estimal wrestlers. Uh, Taya Valkyrie, what's her name in NXT Frankie name? Monet. Yeah, she's Frankie Monet. She was a Power Estimal person. Um, Aoki Hamada as well. She is a Power Estimal. She's like top female drawer in Mexico at the moment, and she's a Power Estimal wrestler. But this, so this, it's been really important to the development of AAA as this big Uber company in Mexico. But it wouldn't have started if somebody in CMLR went, what if we had this idea and it all got out of hand as things will do when they're a good idea? Um, and this, this latest faction is because NOAA has a working agreement with AAA. And they are their Mexican uh, affiliates. So, yeah, so there you go. There's the story of Peros de Mal, of which a faction I am very fond of for obvious and reasons. They're absolute badasses on this they show. Are. Uh, generally, they are badasses in general. So we move on then. Uh, next one would be Sugiara Gun, which is Takashi Sugiara, Kazuki Fujita, and Kendo Kishin. Kind of. That's <laughs> Kazuki Nakajima, Overlord, and Neo in a six man tag match that um, uh, Sugiara Gun won, despite the worst efforts of Kendo Kishin to just get them in trouble all the way through this match. In the I've got this. Lads, I know what I'm doing, kind of way, when quite clearly he did not. Um, I was watching him show how how to do No, it was uh, Nakajima. He's like, oh, hey, I'll show you how you do this properly. As he attacks Sagira. <laughs> <laughs> he was just being an absolute shit stir, and it was hilarious. Yes, uh, Sagira in the end just slapped Kishin's taste out of his mouth to shut him up, and that seemed to solve the problem. Tough lob in Segura Gun, but he did learn from the best because he was once in Suzuki Gun, and that's where the idea came from. Ah, <laughs> uh, this was again just really fun. Even though you've got older guys in there, they're still moving quickly. The their strong points are pointed out, and yeah, you just keep things going at a pretty rapid pace. Yeah, it was fine. It was um, it is what it is, wasn't it? It was just good. <laughs> like this is, even when even when Noah's at like it's most either pointless or this could be an absolute disaster, it's still incredibly damn fun. Yeah, that was it. It was just it was just solid good fun. Um but then we moved into the more serious uh kind of part of the card with a junior a GHC junior heavyweight tag team championship back. Where Daisuke Hirada and Hajime Harai lost their championship to Siki Yoshiako and Susumu uh, in a really, really good match. If you compare and contrast this to the New Japan Junior Tag Team match, this was better just because it was wrestlers you care about doing things that were well thought out and had a serious story behind it. That's no knock on the great on the super coaches. Don't get me wrong. They, but they were having a fun match with ELP and Ishimori. This was dark and serious, and they were after it, and it was lots of fun to watch I'm these two guys go after it. Yeah, just the amount of hatch. It was stiff, really, really stiff, and the Stinger team came out on top in the end. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I loved it. Like, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but every time I watch Nowhere, it's just like a breath of fresh air because it's... It's so like fast and hard, and it's just violent, and that's what this was as well. And it's they're all so creative as well. You've got all these incredible, especially O'Hara. 
Like the amount of creativity mm. he's got with even basic moves is just impressive to watch. Like there are no slouches in this match, and there's just that much like tension and drama and. As you said, it's stiff as all hell. It's just so much fun to watch. I think as well, it's kind of like plays into the idea of Stinger being this all-dominant junior faction, and they look like it now. It's so I, weird, because I always thought Stinger were bad guys, but like at the moment, they're being like mostly good guys. <laughs> but see, this is the thing. It's like, factions are kind of like a rough outline. Like... Um, you know, Ogawa, who's the leader of Stinger, was tanging with Yano, who's not a member of any faction because he's a rookie, so they don't put you in factions until you've been going a bit, or when you debut, but because he hasn't debuted as a senior, he's not really in a faction. He's just kind of there. <laughs> What's that? Is that Ogawa comes to the rescue more than once on this show? Yeah. It's yeah. so unusual, because every other time I've seen Stinger, they've been dickheads. But there you go. And Maybe here they are being like, nice like don't get me wrong, they weren't, the, they weren't the good guys in this match, but they weren't dicks. They were just yeah. competitors. I think that's maybe they're trying to add some depth because Peros de Mal are the bad guys now, aren't they? So, well, I suppose Congo are the really bad guys. And then you can, it's, it's a bit like New Japan where Bullet Club are the really bad guys. Then Suzuki Gun were the bad, bad guys, but they're actually more popular than LIJ now. <laughs> who were bad guys, but not really. Then Chaos, who were bad guys, but can't really aren't bad guys anymore. And then Hontai, who are good guys. <laughs> so this kind of like levels of evil. That's not the wrestler. That's the state of being. Um, that should be a good finisher. What state levels of being? Of evil. Yeah, okay. Levels of evil. Well, next, we had a special attraction tag team match, which Nasawa of Peros del Mal tagged with the Great Muta of No Fixed Abode. Uh, they lost Kiki Yamaya and uh, Kotajay uh, in an absolute bloodbath. Uh, honestly, this was borderline dangerous and should have been stopped. <laughs> this was that bad. And even you, John, were like, you went, oh, ooh. <laughs> this was just like. This was a bit above and beyond. You know, for those of you who don't know, a thing was invented called the Muta Scale, which has widely been discredited by wrestling fans as being a bit grim. After Kiyaji Muto, wonder what happened to him, uh, wrestled a match, I think it was against Fujinami, or it may have been Chono. It was, oh. um, no, it was, oh. I've written about this. I know we wrestled Flair a week later and I saw the plaster fell off and went, oh my God. Because um, <laughs> I'd never seen so many stitches in short, such a short space as what space of time. Um, who was he wrestling? Find the answer to this. Just keep talking about the match. Okay, so Muto had um, basically bladed in that match and lost so much blood. It was considered the most blood you could lose in a match and still move on and still wrestle. The only match that got near it was Eddie Guerrero versus JBL from a few years ago, which was just ridiculous and also should have been stopped too. And this is the first match I've seen get close to it, with the possible exception of the Rhodes boys doing it at uh, the first uh, AEW pay-per-view, where they both were quite bloody. I think this was probably the most bloody I have seen a wrestler in quite some time. Um, and I 
it wasn't I'm not particularly squeamish and I wasn't uncomfortable with this because it's his choice and he's, he's an adult and that's what he's chosen to do with his particular career but this was an insane amount of blood loss and I thought it was borderline dangerous to let somebody continue in that particular uh, it was against Hiroshi Hase yeah it was Hase yeah, Hase Muto had this insane match where Muto bled like a stalked pig, and this was not far off. Um, and yeah, it was like the match was fine, and considering the fact that I mean, freaking hell, um, Kiyami couldn't see for half of it because there was that much blood in his eyes. I thought it was exceptional, but again, it was just like borderline dangerous. That was just where I would say it was just on the borderline there. What are your thoughts on this, John? Loved it. Favourite match in the show. Total carnage. So much blood. So, so, so much blood. And there was a really unintentionally comedic moment. Because obviously Nasawa and Muta are trying to be like, oh yeah, we're top dickheads here. And they double team like Kiyomiya, who's already half blinded from blood. And they're just like, how can we make you even blinder? So Nasawa trips him and like Muta lights a fireball between his legs. And like blinds Kiyomiya again with a fireball, but it looks like the sort of cartoon spot where someone's lit up a fart with a lighter. <laughs> and I was just laughing my head off at that. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to laugh at that. That's really dangerous. And I'm just like, no, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> this just got so violent and went on so much longer than I expected, considering just how much blood was pouring out of Kiyomiya. I'm it wondering was... if Skyrim. No, no, I was just going to say, it was not pretty. It wasn't. I'm wondering if they're planning big stuff for Kiyomiya down the line, because this is... I mean, he's a former Global Honor Crown champion, and he was awfully young. He's still in 24 now. He's obviously the guy they want to put big money on in the future. And if he has these big matchups with veteran wrestlers, and he survives all this, it kind of builds him back up for the championship in a very old-school way, and I'm wondering if that's what they're trying to do with him. And you could tell how pissed off he was at the fact he won by DQ, despite the fact he looked like he'd been covered in red paint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the actual match quality was exceptional. Oh, this this was awesome. And again, it just goes to show that you can have older wrestlers and hide like their like weaknesses and like deficiencies by just making it an all out bloodbath. Yeah, it's just just insane. Right, let us move on then to the semi-main event, as our American friends would say. Former tag team partners from their Rattles days, Hayata, the current junior heavyweight champion, defeated his former tag team partner, Yohei, in an absolute blinder and ended the match with a stuff uh, Hurricane Rana that was absolutely perfect. It looked like it broke Yohei's neck. It didn't. It was perfectly fine. But this was intense. This was everything that Despy and Robbie Eagles was, but packed tighter. <laughs> I don't know how long this was, but it felt like five minutes because it moved that fast and everything flowed. It was a lot longer than five minutes. But, you know, it was just really, really good. Um, yeah, Hayata is an exceptional wrestler. So is Yohei. Put them together and they are pure magic. I love this particular professional wrestling match. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I again, much like you, I love this. Your hair is such a bloody 
like star. And just these two were completely off the rails. It's like they know each other incredibly well, so they can counter everything that they're going to do. And it just got really violent and really fast and really, really just fun. It's like this is another one of those matches where I'm like, right, I can't, I'm not tabbing out with this. It's a bloody blink and you'll miss it affair. And yeah, it was so good. And it felt like a proper high stakes title match. And yeah. Uh, enough, it was, it was. Go on, I just don't have a lot to add for a lot of these because they're just really damn good. Go watch it. Really it's that right <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the amount of bad. shit they're pulling out here. It's just incredible, and it's, yeah. it's it feels like it's done in an instant. I think it went about twenty minutes, but you didn't ever guessed. No, it was just, really really good. It's so snappy. They don't really let anything drag. No, it was just spot on. Okay, our main event fitted the former UFC heavyweight champion Kazushi Sakuraba against Neyamuchi Marufuji. This encapsulated what's fun about Noah, but also Noah's current downfall position, because these two have a combined age of somewhere around about 100, which is not good for a main event match. Having said that, the quality of the match was exceptionally high. Sakuraba can still go and has adapted his shoot style better than most of the shoot wrestles of his era. 93. Sorry? 93. Combined edge. 93. Oh, 52 and 41. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. It's still not good, is it? Average age of 46 and a half. That's me. I'm that age. Well, actually, I'm 47 tomorrow. But, anywho... um, this main event is it's very, very good, and I really, really enjoyed it, but I can't help something in the back of my mind going, they need to do something else and soon uh, with this main event. I think Kiyama's the guy, but it depends on how long they're going to take to pull the trigger and build him up. Marafuji is perfectly fine looking after the championship until then, but if he's only going to wrestle guys like Sakuraba, and he's wrestled Muta, and he's wrestled Segura... It's not lifting well for lifting the young guys off the bottom of the card. They need to do that quicker, in my opinion. But it's the only problem they have with the company at the minute, which is not a bad problem to have. We've got bankable main event stars. We just need to produce more that are a bit younger. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this was this was really damn good. Like they again, they played to the guy's strengths. Both are very adept at striking and technical work. So this was all striking and technical work, and it was really well paced. Because anytime, like Sakuraba had a submission on, that was it. Marufuji was straight to the ropes. He wasn't pissing about. So they were just kind of like they built everything up properly. Because you could go into it and be like, ah, Sakuraba's not winning this. There's no chance. And there's Marufuji just making him look like the biggest threat on the planet anytime he even grabbed hold of a limb. Because that's what you want to do when someone's a UFC guy. You're like, right, let's make this as believable as possible. And again, it wasn't that long. I think this was only about 18 minutes, give or take. And it, it didn't feel like it. Because it just all flowed so well. Yeah. It all kept moving. It all kept upping the ante. It just this is how you can have a match with older guys in the main event and still have it feel fresh. 
you, it doesn't also... have to be the same rehashed 37-minute tripe. No, you also it's also Sakuraba has a sense of humor and is really charismatic. So it does help things move along more swiftly. So yes, it works really, really well. It was this even down to the little, it was even down to the little details. Like commentary loved to like pointed out on the first sort of like lock up, Marifu like Sakuraba goes to the ropes and he gets a clean break and he's smiling about the fact that Marifuji's not gonna be a dick about this. <laughs> there's so many little details that just go into these matches the commentary does an exceptional job of as well like props to Balianaki and I don't know who the other commentator was but they were very damn good throughout the night Aki was the most excitable commentator ever but it wasn't in an annoying way it's... Friendly yes. typing sounds. I'm trying to find out who the language, who the English language commentators are. <laughs> it was Aki and whoever the other guy was. I mean, they, they added so much to this as well because you've got them feeding you the stories. You've got Aki just being excited at what he's seeing because screw it. If we're all excited, so can he be. And yeah, it's just everything about this Noah show was built up properly. Right down to the main event as well, where it didn't outstay its welcome, it didn't bore you to tears, and it played up to the strength of both fighters. You weren't forcing someone into a match they didn't really want to do on short notice. Yeah, that's it. It just it's just good. Uh apparently on Reddit, I'm just looking at Reddit now, which is like the place to go to to find minor information. <laughs> No, no one on Reddit likes the English commentary. Um, oh, yeah, this, that's a brilliant comment. Mara Ranello and Chris Hero would be perfect. Yes. Do you know how much they would cost? Um, oh, what? <laughs> well, whoever you were, you did a good job. Yes. I think he's called Mark. Good job, Mark. Yes. Question mark. Question mark. He's a nice guy. He quite clearly is a nice guy, but he needs to his inflection. This is everything goes up at the end. It's it, it's the I hate to make this comparison because he's actually better than he is, but it's the um, our impact guy. Do I hate? I can't remember his name now. Josh Matthews. Josh Matthews. Then I'm going up at the end of the sentence in case anything happens that's exciting, and then coming back down to a normal voice when it doesn't. I did love the pairing though, because you had like he was playing the straight guy, and then there's mm. there's Aki just there as the excitable. Yeah, so, there's another, there's another dude that they have with them who wasn't normally there, Scottish gentleman who's quite yeah, good he too. He was because he was there for Cyberfight Festival. Yeah, he's got he's quite good too, but he's also got a lack of. He's more presenter person, and he's better at that stuff. But um, yeah, they're not. I think probably just need seat time doing it. You know, they've kind of both got a sense of humor about it, but they both take it seriously enough. I think that's the issue, isn't it? Is like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton can kind of get away with being a bit jokey because it's New Japan and you can be a bit jokey, but we know you kind of got to be serious. So it's having the right guys to get that tone and balance right. Mm. You know, so. You know, <laughs> otherwise you don't get things like Doki Choki in New Japan. <laughs> and Kevin Kelly's Gino Gambino impression is bang on, by the way. 
this is it. The English commentary for New Japan was a lot more fun than actually watching the show. Oh yeah, I I've listened to Kevin Kelly and Chris Jarrett commentate on paint around. I suppose if you know for a fact that people are losing interest in your product, you've got to try and at least pretend you're still enthusiastic about it. Well, that's it. You know, this is the thing, and this is something that Bully Ray said, and I don't listen to Bully Ray very often because obviously he's he's a jerk. However, when they were wrestling uh, the French Canadian teams back in the early 2000s in WWE, they were doing a house show loop with them and they complained to that they were hitting them too hard in front of a crowd when there was only like 1,500 people in the building. I said, well, what's the point of trying so hard? There's only 1,500 people here. And Bubba said, you know when we stop trying? When there's 5,000 people in the building. When they come back next time, there'll be 2,000 people in the building because we tried really hard. And it was like, oh. And that, they taught, apparently they taught them on that tour how to actually wrestle properly because, you know, they just weren't getting it, all of their stuff. So they kind of stiffed them into doing things that they didn't want them to do, but it was the only way to get them around it, which you can imagine Bully Ray and Devon doing, to be honest. But there you go, because they only really knew one way. Um yeah no it was good this this was um a solid wrestling match card of noah quality and they don't do anything bad we haven't really had anything bad to say about any of the cards we've looked at over them over the last couple of months have we no it's because they know how to build them properly it's like you go in with certain expectations and those expectations are met because it's like you know what you're in for you usually know what you're going to see, and they build things in a way that it always moves upwards in intensity and story focus in action. You name it. You you don't have this sort of stop-start mentality where it's like, again, not to rag on them, but with that New Japan show, there was definitely peaks where it was like, okay, this this is the intense stuff. So it was like... You had the Rambo, which was fun. You had the tag title, the junior tag titles match, which was fun. You had the junior heavyweight title, which was dead serious and high stakes. Then you went back down because you had Cobb and Okada. Then you went back up again with the tag, like the tag titles match, which was really intense, really sort of well told. And then you went back down again for the main event that nobody gave a shit about. Whereas with Noah, you've got like Funky Express in fighting, which is fun and slightly goofy, but still full of people that will punch your teeth down your throat. <laughs> and it just keeps moving up from there until you enter the big league matches, which again, just keep ramping up because you had the Fast and Furious junior title. Then you go into the bloodbath that's going to shock everyone and sort of give people a break from the really intense junior action then you go back into the really intense junior action and then you bring things to a head with your grand prize in a match that everyone can enjoy because it's still moving at a decent pace but it's very technical and very grounded yeah. you <sighs> just solid all around and that's really what we like isn't it Okay, then. That about covers us for two shows today on the Troopany Show. Thank you for being uh, listening to us. My name's James Troopany, but my guest has been John Dinsdale. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is the gateway to hell that will lead you to anything relating to me, be it writings, opinions, 
me gushing over how goddamn good Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage was. <laughs> Seriously, go and watch that. They had a death match on national television. If you've ever hated Chris Jericho enough to see him get light tubed, you've got your wish. If you love Chris Jericho and want to see him do more, you got your wish. If you love Nick Gage, you got your wish. Genuinely one of the most important matches to happen on TV in quite some time, alongside that amazing Thunder Rosa Britt Baker bloodbath that happened. Again, it seems like all the most important matches on TV just happen when there's blood. But yeah, <laughs> John Deathman on Twitter. Obviously, keep reading my work at Steel Chair. You'll find all the deathmatch features, Chucker Pro reviews, and yeah, you name it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I did watch that match just to watch that match to see what the reaction to Gage would be like. I wanted to hear the pop, and the pop was phenomenal for him, which I'm very happy for him because he's worked very hard over the last 12 months as the GCW heavyweight champion. And I won't be surprised if someone didn't float a contract his way one way or another. Well, they made him custom entrance music, which leads me to believe it's not going to be a one-off. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see where they'll go with that because it is like... Yeah, he fits in, in a way, in a strange little scary kind of way. And I think the only issue, I think the issue that they had with him would be his past and his less than um, honest reputation. But equally, they kind of played up to that. <laughs> so, you the know. Thing that, that would be really unfair to a degree, though, considering how many other pasts we've kind of swept under the rug that were way worse than... Yeah. Like, like let's face it, everyone looks at that and laughs at it. Because, yeah, it was a bank robbery, but it was a very bungled job. And even he looks back on it as a sort of a cry for help. Yeah, and arguably, MVP did exactly the same thing. You know... Um, MVP was slightly more organised about it, but they still made some serious mistakes. Hence the reason why he was in prison for 10 years. Like Nick Gage has done everything in his power to sort of rebuild, readapt, and make the best of what he has. Yeah, so there we go. Anywho, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Patreon and on Facebook, The Troopany Show. And if you go to Patreon, you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone we might have a week off and you can listen to the dave stevens edition on the four day playlist show that we did but i've been trailing like mad for weeks which i hope you thoroughly enjoy because it was a blessed conversation so i fight finally get to release that after about a month <laughs> and i've got to do another playlist for dave because he thoroughly enjoyed it so i have to do i think playlist for dave might be a regular feature of the troopany show going forward Anywho, take care, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye!